Welcome to the Addiction Connection Podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm your host, Mark Shaw. I almost said co-host because I have Jim Quigley on the program today. Hi, Jim. <laughs> co-host. <laughs> I almost said co-host. I thought, you know, Jim, Jim's really going to take over this thing. And and I'm excited about that. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm happy being in the two chair to you, bud. You can, you can lead this thing. Well, I was actually uh, uh, excited to be a part of today's show because um, this really, the, the, what I'm going to talk about, really has had an impact on my life, in, in, especially looking in hindsight. And still today, um, um, and I, I actually am a bit nervous because I have so much I want to say about this, but I don't know if uh, it'll all come out right. So uh, I appreciated <laughs> the prayers before because because uh, I just don't want to like overload because uh, a lot of information appears. So. Well, I, you know, and I didn't even ask you, I like to start with scripture. Is there anything that stands out to you scripturally that maybe connects with what you're going to say? I didn't, I, I should do that off air, but I didn't do it. <laughs> no, absolutely. And because I know who you are, my brother, um, I, I, I was prepared with some scripture and the All main right. one, uh, the main one that, um, that really, uh, resonates with me uh i'm turning there real fast uh is proverbs fourteen twelve, and there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death i know it's a pretty depressing um uh, uh proverb um, a lot of truth there and uh hopefully you'll be able to understand how that relates as i tell this little bit of a story about um going all the way back to when i was 14 years old um, where our topics are, you, you said that you want to talk about celebrities. I'm going to talk about music celebrities, uh, musicians that Perfect. have become very popular today, but I'm going to talk about a, a group of them, not one in particular. Um, so, uh, I was in, at, in 1990, I was 14 years old. My parents, uh, were, uh, got a divorce when I was 14 and anybody that's ever gone through, uh, you know, a, a divorce situation, a family knows that. The divorce starts way before the actual divorce happened. So you can imagine there, there, there was a lot of dysfunction in my family and whatnot. But uh, uh, for those of us that grew up in the 80s, the end of the 80s was, the, was really the end of this conservative prosperity, time of prosperity through the leadership of President Reagan, who is still to this day, just uh, um, uh, revered uh, among um, conservative that whole conservative prosperity mindset. Um, and if you look at music in the late '80s, rock and roll, you know um, uh, what any uh, red-blooded American young boy like me it was uh, would be listening to. Uh, it was pretty ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> uh, we we describe it today as like hair bands, you know. Um, I don't know if you remember much of that scene, but oh yeah. Um, looking back on it today, lots of makeup, lots of spandex, lots of just this was it was just kind of silly. Um, now I don't want to I don't want to make anybody uh, uh, that still likes that kind of trust me. I'll still I'll still uh, um, uh, blast some uh, old hairband music in my car too. I do have some uh, some affinity for it. And you know what? Uh, speaking of celebrities that died, you know, we just lost Eddie Van Halen uh, two days ago. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Uh, Mark, 60, 65. And, you know, uh, there's a whole show you could do on him. 
and the and the tumultuous relationship he had with David Lee Roth. So, yeah, we'll anyway, have, we'll have um, you back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what is any young, uh, you know, young fourteen year old that just doesn't know uh, where his way is in life? And I, I had a lot of problems going on internally. And um, what happened in the late '80s, early '90s in Seattle, Washington, which is uh, uh, the, the grunge movement kind of is birthed. And this, this movement was like a, in my opinion, was like a pushback on this, uh, on culture, right? It, you had, you had eighties conservative prosperity and, uh, you had this, this kind of group of bands that was coming out with a whole new sound, a whole new style, a whole new look, a whole new way of writing songs. I mean, it wasn't just happy rock ballads about love and romance and and excess it was it, they were talking about serious things in life and um it was kind of a dark and 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 it was just very attractive not only to me but to a large a large swath of the population in the united states at that time i don't know if you've ever seen some of those shows when that when that smells like teen spirit video hit mtv it kind of was like an earth-shattering mo- moment it kind of it kind of ended it kind of ended uh, 80s bands and started this whole new movement yeah um, it, but it was big it was big in my life um and you told me before the show you even went to some of these shows saw some of these bands um <laughs> hey and, don't don't say everything we talked about off off air doesn't go on the show no i'm kidding. <laughs> i'm kidding no i i did i saw nirvana in concert and uh, a long time ago with uh, one of my best buddies who loved them and loved Pearl Jam and that whole grunge movement. And we saw Nirvana, but boy, Kurt Cobain was so messed up. And and the concert, they played all the songs really slow. It was dragging on and on. I'm sure he was on heroin during the show. I mean, it was was sad now knowing what happened. But anyway, at the time, it was like, why are their songs so slow? That's what, that's what we kept saying at the concert. But yeah. anyway, keep going. I'm, 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 I, w- I want to hear from you. This no, is no. great. You're doing great. This yeah, is good. So. <laughs> Thanks. So, um, uh, so, you know, as I've gone on in life, you know, I, I've been able to in hindsight look and say like, you know what? I spent so much time listening, going to shows, listening to these bands, buying their albums. And just, they were, they were like, they were part of my identity for years and years, you know, and um, they were they were telling me that I didn't have to accept, you know, this 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 type of life. And there was something new. And so that's 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 the reason why that Proverbs passage, you know, there's a way that seems right. And there was a way that seemed right to all of them to push back on the norms of the day. Um, and to, to go in a different direction. And, and I followed, you know, I was following, you know, I wasn't like some, you know, uh, 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 I wasn't like brainwashed and following like some soldier, but I mean, they definitely spoke into my life. These bands spoke in my life, but you know, in hindsight, you know, what happened to these guys? You, you Everybody knows about Kurt Cobain, but you know, if you look back even further from him, you know, the first, the first real grunge band in Seattle that got signed and was, going to release an album or they released an album was a band called mother love bone. You ever heard of them? Yeah. Mother love bone. Yep. So mother love bone, um, uh, they had an album coming out in 1990 
And three days before that album was released, Andrew Wood, their lead singer, died of a heroin overdose. Mm. And and it's one of these tragic things. Like they're on the the, the cusp of success, um, in, in and this guy dies. And Andrew Wood dying, his roommate, his ex roommate, a guy by the name of Chris Cornell. He's on tour. Chris Cornell is the lead singer of a band called Soundgarden and yeah. later to be a band called Audio Slave. Chris Cornell is so affected by Andrew's death that he writes some songs on the road. And he comes back and he gets with the with the band members of, of Mother Love Bone and he writes he has a couple songs he wrote in tribute to him and they form a special band, like a super group, called Temple of the Dog, and they release one album. Um, about eight months later, and uh, it's it's highly successful. If you may have heard it, uh, uh, one of the songs they still play today. It's called "Say Hello to Heaven," and uh, it's a mixture of the guys from Soundgarden and the guys from Mother Love Bone doing this album. And here you got uh, uh, Chris Cornell. He invites a friend of his named Eddie Vedder to sing backup vocals and to participate in some of the songs on this band. And through that band, uh, through that through that collaboration, Eddie Vedder joins with some of the ex-members of Mother Love Bone and forms a band called uh, Pearl Jam. That's right. So there's all this stuff going on, and uh, that all this connectedness. And I want to put that put that part. So you have Temple of the Dog coming out of Andrew Wood's death days before his his commercial success with releasing their first album. Um, Chris Cornell inviting Eddie Vedder, which would soon turn to form uh, uh, Pearl Jam. Now, leave that aside. You have another band in Seattle. And most people, when you look at, when you hear about Seattle, you would think that you would, back in the early 90s, you'd be driving to Seattle and there'd just be this like mega bands with mega clubs. It was actually a pretty small music scene. And you just had, uh, you know, promoters and whatnot that went in there and saw that there was something different going on. So they were they were they were signing these bands and these guys that I don't think really thought they were going to be successful. They became successful. And one of the biggest successes was Nirvana. So Nirvana was part of the was part of the group. <clears throat> and everybody knows that Kurt Cobain ended up ending his life. But a lot of people don't know that when Cobain died, he was only two weeks out of rehab. He had gone to rehab to try to get his heroin addiction under control, and he left after being there for one week, and uh, he went to a home of his, I believe it was in Seattle, Washington. We all know how that tragically ended in 94, where he um, he had a self-inflicted gunshot wound, um, which uh, obviously ended that whole that whole uh that band and their life one one uh success story out of nirvana though is dave grohl the drummer who um ended up uh uh starting uh foo fighters and is still successful to this day um another band that was in the seattle uh part of that seattle group was a band called alice in chains and it was started um uh uh man i forgot his name i'm forgetting his name jerry, jerry cantrell started this band alice in chains um, which would later get uh, two guys, uh, a, a vocalist named Lane Staley and a bassist named Mike Starr would join later. Um, 
I love Dallas and Kane. If you ever listen, get a chance to listen to them. Lane Staley had one of the uh, most haunting voices. A uh, little guy that just could belt it out. It was pretty amazing. Kind of like Chris Cornell. But, um, you know, Alice in Chains, uh, Lane Staley had a terrible drug addiction. And it's pretty depressing. But he died in 2002 after, after losing half his arm from uh, IV drug use. He, uh, he later was found um, dead in his own apartment. You know, this guy sold millions of albums, right, this, with his band. This who, who, who is this? At, this is Lane. Lane. This guy was found dead in his apartment, um, and he had been there for a couple weeks alone. Oh, That's how that. his life ended up. Yeah. Lane Staley. And I want to say, I don't know this. You might have to fact check me. I want to say his mother found him because they uh-huh. just he hadn't been answering the phone and whatnot. Wow. And Mike Starr, the bassist that had joined the uh, the band, pretty depressing. But you can see him on Doctor Drew's celebrity rehab he has he's in an episode where he actually talks about um you know uh being one of the last people to see lane alive they got to fight over drugs um and he left him in a in a in a huff in his apartment and the next next news he got was that lane was dead and you know mike Starr had this breakthrough on tv in his rehab but mike died in 2011 i think eight months after dr drew's show from an overdose himself but wow. then, um, yeah. And you're like and a then, walking Google on all this, you know? I mean, you're like, this, forget Google, call Jim. This stuff has occupied a little, <laughs> probably too much time in my head. <laughs> no, well, and I, I recently had to think about it the last couple of years because, you know, go all the way back to this guy that was, was uh, roommates with with uh, Andrew Wood and made a tribute album, album to his friend, Temple of the Dog. Chris Cornell died in 2017, was found hanging in his, um, in his hotel room. Chris Cornell had sold 15 million albums at this point. He was married. He had children. He had successfully everything he could possibly want. He had drugs in his system. He had, he had struggled with uh, opioids. And um, here the guy, the guy with all of that success, Tributing his friend that died from a drug overdose. Here he ends up. Um, it was ruled ruled with suicide in his hotel room, um, and like I said, with 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 drugs in his system. Um, very sad. I had to think about that uh, not too long ago because I was a big big fan of Soundgarden and Audio Slave, a, a band that he had another super band that he had kind of got together with uh, former members of Rage Against the Machine and started, which I thought was a was a, was a was a great band, and you know what? The the one band that still seems out of that group of Seattle. Now there was all kinds of little finger bands, but these are like some of the major bands out of out of that whole Seattle scene. But the one the one band that's still together and very successful today and doesn't really have any um, any uh, uh, history of substance abuse affecting uh, their themselves is Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam is still today uh, commercially very successful, still together. And uh, it's amazing to think it's formed out of a lead singer being um, invited to do a tribute to a guy that died days before commercial success um, to, to participate in an album. And he got together with the former band members. And you kind of wonder, you know, of course, there's a lot of a lot of uh, projecting. You don't really I, I really assuming I don't I don't know this. But you kind of wonder if their success, a lot of it has to do with this lesson that maybe they heeded. 
um, way back in 1990 when they all when they all were get, collaborating to give a tribute to uh, Andrew Wood, who would have been the first successful band out of the grunge seed if it not had been for him dying days before the release of their album. So anyway, um, how does that uh, fell into my or, or speak into my life today? I mean, obviously, I listen to the radio, and I, I've given you a plethora of bands, and every time I hear one of their songs, you know, there there are people, and I respect it. You know, they say, "Well, those mu- that music I can't listen to. It reminds me it reminds me of an old old life uh, that I don't want to be a part of anymore." And um, and I understand how some people don't want to uh, 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 tempt their own desires and whatnot. Because you know, that, there's a real thing about that, but. For me, every time I listen to it, I, I, I actually really get grateful. I get, I feel bad, uh, or I feel I, I have sympathy for lost people that were trying to navigate this world um, uh, and pushing back on the culture that they were rejecting and, and going on their own. But at the at the end, you know, this this is a um, perfect proof that James one fourteen um, is is, is uh, true that. You know what? Um, our desires will, even though you're 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 pressing, you're doing a counterculture against maybe the desires of the time, of like I said, the '80s conservative success and prosperity, and and going this other, their desires all got a hold of them. And um, when you really look back on the Seattle grunge scene, is is as influential as it was on the world of rock and roll, on the on the culture at the time it really ended up terrible. I mean, very depressing. And we only stayed in Seattle. I mean, there's other California bands and whatnot. Like we were talking before the show, um, that w- there's still more, more death and destruction. And it all had to do with substance abuse, all of it. So, um, they weren't able to find their way through, through the path that they were taking. Um, they, uh, they ended up, um, like Proverbs says, they ended up in death. Yeah, I uh, this was uh, I I was kind of quiet throughout, but just listening. I mean, I didn't realize Lane Staley had died. I didn't, you know, I'd heard these bands and songs and different things, but wow, the uh, the stories of destruction and how to me it's like they're trying to save themselves or trying to figure things out. They're doing tributes and they're just trying to so confused, trying to figure out life, but yet they're. They're using drugs so heavily, and they're um, they're just not they're unable to really see the truth and see reality, and uh, it's it's tragic in in so many ways. And yet, the lesson to me is here: these guys had everything, quote unquote, everything that the world has to offer. You know, the fame, and they were you know, creating music and, and people were loving what they were doing, you know, and they kind of started a, like you said, a countercultural movement um, that was, you know, in contrast to the eighties, that decade. Um, and they uh, had everything quote unquote, that the world could offer yet, just like the book of Ecclesiastes tells us it, it was just, they didn't have Christ. So they really didn't have anything if you don't have him. Yeah. And you're, yeah, you know, the way you wove that together, that was powerful. I, that, that was, uh, man, I learned a lot. Thank you. You know, you know, Lane Staley, actually, there's a, there's a lyric out of one of his songs. He says, gonna end up a big old pile of them bones. And it's so sad to think mm. this, this talented guy 
mean, he really did. He ended up with a big old pile of bones. Yeah. And you know what? To kind of end it, there's a lyric that uh, Eddie Vedder sings, and it makes me think of life in Christ. Um, because through me trying to search for identity and search for for how to, how to how to respond to this world around me when I was 14 years old, very confused. Um, and you know, coming today, who's had to answer all along is Christ. Christ, Christ is is unchanging in His ways. Right. That's the great thing about the gospel and living for Christ. It, there isn't. It doesn't change with the decades. It, you don't have to. You don't have to become countercultural. Sometimes you are because of the truths of the of Christian life and the culture at the time. But it's not because you're changing. Right. And there's this lyric that that um that uh eddie better has he says i change by not changing at all mm-hmm. and that has stuck with me ever since the first time i heard it because it's it's true like if you become a a a christian as far as what the world looks like if you just follow christ right and follow the truths of scripture you change right but you're you're your your worldview doesn't change. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Your philosophy in life doesn't change. So those things don't change, but you change. And it's just it's a it's a it's a deep lyric for me. I, I've I've repeated it to a lot of people that look at me cross eyed like, what do you mean? I'm like, man, I think it's just it's a power powerful lyric in that song, man. But anyway, not I know. that any better is any kind of a Christian or anything. No, he's not. But <laughs> and I and I know the rest of the the lyric on that. I know what song that is. I know all the words on that particular one. Really? I, yeah, that's one of my. I just heard that song a, a few days ago. Actually, I played it on Spotify. That uh, I've been listening to that a little bit because because oh, you're sharing too much about your personal life. Well, <laughs> well, I had a, a, one of my best childhood friends. I mean, his group of all groups was Pearl Jam. And at the time I didn't love Pearl Jam. I don't know. I was getting a little bit older and, and I don't know, it was just moving a different direction in my life, but he was, um, he loved Pearl Jam. And so I've been missing him a little bit and I've been playing a little Pearl Jam and I know exactly the song. I just heard it and it's funny, but you're right. We, I changed by not changing at all. The, the truth of God's word doesn't change and that perspective, and yet, as we study God's word, uh, it it deeply changes us. But we're really, I mean, we're we're securing Christ. Like that can't be changed. We can't lose that. We're, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot to that. But that is a a deep lyric, for sure. Yeah, I've actually said this to men in classes when I was teaching. It's like you know, in my perspective, the gospel itself is 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 a miracle in the way that the message of the gospel doesn't change but it continues to bring new life to people mm. and it's just an amazing thing and you sit, sit and ponder on that for a little while like you know mark when when was the last time uh uh that you believed the gospel you know yeah and did that did that what you believed did that change no, you've been believing it for years and years, like me, right? But has it continued to produce new life in you? Yeah, you know, it's a, a pretty amazing thing when you think about it. It is, it is. Well, Jim Quigley, the executive director of Freedom Farm Ministries, is 
our guest today and and talking about really powerful things when you, when you think about uh, the story here and and, uh, and and I think about redemptively, you know, how God pulled you out of darkness, brother, into his marvelous light. And, Man, did he. Yeah. and, and you know, and, and it is so true that Proverbs uh, 14, 12, the, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Uh, it's such a scary verse to read. I mean, it could even happen to us as believers when we're deceived and in the flesh and not walking in the spirit and, and in the truth of God's word we can easily be deceived in the same way, thinking, well, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing, you know, and we have to be careful because, you know, we can be thinking we're doing the right thing uh, when we're really not. We need community. We need other people, friends to help us uh, to stay in the truth, to uh, focus on Christ and, and live for him and pride gets in the way and all that. And so those, some of those themes were things you brought out today on this podcast. So thank you, brother, for joining me today. Man, it was fun. I always appreciate it, Mark. And we will do it again. We'll do Eddie Van Halen next, so get ready for that. Okay. All right. All right, All right well, brother. Thanks for joining me, and thank you for listening to our podcast. Join us next time on the Addiction Connection Podcast.